Bojack, it's really, really responsible in the way that it portrays mental health and how people tend to deal with it, how they should deal with it, you know, what kind of help they should seek, what are appropriate coping mechanisms. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. On today's episode, the association's very own Matt Dean and Michael Huber, who I love very much, both discuss how the adult animated Netflix series BoJack Horseman does, in fact, tell the story of an anthropomorphic horse named BoJack. But as you'll find out in this episode, BoJack also really has a unique perspective on depression and addiction. And since we are all spending time here at home due to the COVID-19 pandemic, now would be the perfect time to binge watch the entire series on Netflix. In addition, Michael Huber also courageously shares his own journey with depression and anxiety and why Bojack does such a remarkable job of destigmatizing mental health and addiction. Quick background on Matt Dean. He's the association's brilliant graphic designer. And Michael Huber keeps the association's IT running smoothly, especially as we all work and podcast virtually from home these days. Okay, let's get this conversation started. The Mental Health Download starts now. Hey, welcome to the Mental Health Download. This is Michael Huber. I am super excited to to be on the Mental Health Download again, and I am super excited to interview my good friend, Matt Dean. How you doing, Matt Dean? I'm doing great. How about you, Mike? I am doing fantastic. I am excited to talk about BoJack Horseman. First off, Matt, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about your feelings on BoJack, why you like it? What, what you kind of feel about it and what you like that it does. Absolutely. So for me, Bojack Horseman has been such a unique and important show on the media landscape in this day and age, just because it portrays and um, it dives into themes about mental health in a very raw and a very realistic way that I haven't seen in a, in a TV show or a movie um, in my life yet. It's just... As someone who has never experienced, has no experience with mental health related issues or anything like that, it is, um, it has created a way for me to be able to see what that's like for an individual, kind of the ups and downs of themes regarding depression and addiction and anxiety and I think a reason that the show has resonated so much with audiences, it's just because it doesn't pull any punches regarding its portrayal of these themes. These are very real, very difficult things for people to deal with. And I've seen so many people online talk about their own experiences and how they relate to these characters. And they see themselves in these characters as far as these themes go. And I think it's amazing that a show can... um, respectfully um, I'm respectfully portray these things. Um, it's so often that such themes regarding mental health are either watered down, they're not really, they're kind of um, lightly glossed over in other shows and TV shows and movies in, um, in, in the media and I think for, especially for a platform like Netflix, it allows creators the freedom to do more beyond the the traditional standards and practices model and allows them to be able to 
either tell stories or could be ideas that they wouldn't be able to do as easily on a syndicated network or on primetime network television. And I think that years from now, BoJack will still be revered as such a pivotal series because of those things. Yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head there. BoJack is – the thing that I find interesting about it is that part of the show is is in regards to uh, – you know the, the, a large portion of the show focuses on this sitcom that BoJack was on back in the 90s. And it actually uses that as a framing device. You know, it takes a half-hour sitcom format, but it tells us that the half-hour sitcom format actually doesn't apply here. Because at the end of every sitcom, what do you have? Everything's perfect at the end. You go back to that same status quo at the end of every episode. Everything's going to be okay. And very early on, we are told... Nope, that's not the case here. They have a really cool theme where, like, what? They steal the D at the end of Hollywood, right? And then from then on, this happened early on in season one, and from then on, they called it Hollywood. They called it Hollywood all the way till the till the very end, and it happened immediately, you know? It's, it, it wasn't like there was a, a big hubbub about it or anything like that, but it happened immediately. Everybody started calling it Hollywood. And it stayed that way until the very, very last episode where, what, they accidentally replace it with a B instead of a D. And so all of a sudden, everybody starts calling it Hollywood. So we have this this theme established that what happens in the show doesn't reset. You don't reset to that same status quo every single time. And anything that happens to these characters or that these characters do is going to have a lasting effect. And they do that in terms of mental health and mental illness as well. When somebody hurts someone, when somebody falls into a depression, when somebody is hurting, when somebody hurts someone else, I mean, they that carries over into the next episode, into the next season. It leaves lasting scars, right? I, I think that's such an interesting and responsible way of of showing us what mental health is and and how how to respect it and how to understand it that you know a half hour sitcom isn't normal it's not how it works your actions and other people's actions have lasting consequences and trauma is a real thing now all that being said it's a comedy show and it, it, it is hilarious. And it does a lot of the comedy comes from this absurdist world that they provided. Uh, you know, Bojack Horseman is he's literally a horse. Uh, his his friends are a cat. He we see anthropomorphized animals all throughout the show that, uh, uh, you know, that's the world that they exist in that. Humans live alongside these animals and give them weird sitcoms and they they live in this very strange world. From your perspective as an artist, what do you think that framing device and using that, what do you think that accomplishes in the show? Yeah, you know, on a service level, I think the use of anthropomorphic animals and a kind of an absurdist kind of silly setting is a bit of a facade for unexpecting audiences because very early on in the first half of the first season, the show is treated very much as a standard 
comedy with talking animals. Um, every every episode leading up to the eighth one, I believe, is kind of its own self-contained story in a way. And there's just a little dark humor and black comedy sprinkled throughout to keep things enticing. And um, but as soon as as soon as you reach that halfway point, then the then you start getting into the core, and that's when all of the that's when the silly exterior starts to slowly deteriorate, and you see just how how dark and how harrowing this show can be. And this is the same show that has a prominent a prominent Labrador character named Mister Peanut Butter. <laughs> it's just it's funny how the contrast of just the silly, and that's another thing. Um, the the show is absolutely. It absolutely takes advantage of its comedic setting. There are so many animal-related puns or crazy wordplay or alliter- an alliteration. And the show is very very much uses the medium of animation to its advantage. There are plenty of background gags regarding animals and kind of those animalistic tendencies, even though they are modeled in a more humanized form. And even, dis- even past, despite all of those things, you start to see that everything is not all silly and hunky-dory as the exterior may, may lend you to believe because very often, especially in animation, you know, talking animals are associated with kind of absurd or goofy premises or scenarios like Mickey Mouse or Scooby-Doo. And I think BoJack definitely, it definitely subverts that, um, it, subverts, it subverts that stereotype, it subverts that trope early on. And um, it also uses the animalistic tendencies of its cast to as um it works it uses those traits and works them into the personalities for example mr peanut butter the aforementioned mr peanut butter he is a anthropomorphic labrador and a common character trait of dogs is that they like to please people and they're excitable and they are happy and they love being around people and that is very much reflected in mr peanut butter's personality he loves throwing extravagant parties he loves making people happy and sometimes to a fault, he loves um, grand gestures and surprising people even, even when they may not reciprocate those same feelings. And an example of this, um, midway through the show, is when Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane, who is a writer and one of Bojack's friends, or one of the friends that Bojack makes at the beginning of the show, he... Well, and they're, he, they're married, aren't they? Yes. At this point, they are married. And... Their marriage is kind of on the rocks. Well, it wasn't very sturdy to begin with, but they're they're on the rocks. And this grand gesture that Diane, um, that he throws for Diane is just this very extravagant, very beautiful library in in their house. And immediately Diane is conflicted because she knows the effort and all of the work that Mr. Peanut Butter put into it, but she has stated multiple times that she hates grand gestures. And unfortunately for Mr. Peanut Butter, that gesture ends up backfiring for him and it ends up pushing them further away. I believe that was also the breaking that was the start of that breaking point that led to their eventual divorce. Yeah, I mean I, I it it is interesting how they use like the what what we relate to animals as sort of a representation of their personalities and representation of of these far more human traits. So, um, I mean, Mr. Peanut Butter, excellent example. You know, dogs are kind of this, you know, 
permanent puppy thing. You know, they, they kind of have this excitable, youthful energy. Um, they tend to, to see things in a bit more of a simple light. You know, this, this, these are the things that we relate to a dog and that's very much how Mr. Peanut Butter is. I mean, we established that he doesn't maintain relationships, uh, with, mature women like he dates women in their 20s and then uh once they reach a certain age they kind of outgrow him and so he ends up being married to uh i think three different women and uh, all of them you know he dates in their 20s then they leave and he ends up dating another girl in her 20s towards the end and this is by the time he's like in his 40s as you know for by human standards would be in his 40s that's kind of what he represents um so it's just kind of interesting. And it's not that the relationships aren't real, that he doesn't love them. He does love them. Uh, he just sort of maintains this permanent childlike state and other people are growing where he stays stagnant. Uh, I think it's interesting that they're they're using, you know, him as a dog as a representation of that. Uh, they do that with the other characters too, right? They... Uh, um, you know, they use the theme of running with Bojack and, you know, he loves Secretariat who in in the show is a track runner, uh, you know, versus what 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 he was in our world. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, they use use that ge- general model of a, the horse and, and the running and that persistence of always trying to run, always trying to run forward or away. And it kind of reflects his um his emotional journey of constantly running away or thinking that taking another step is going to get him out of his, uh, out of his cycle of depression was, is, is really what he has. It's like, okay, if I can just accomplish this goal, if I can just accomplish the next goal, uh, I'll get out of this and, and I'll be happy. You know, that's, that's sort of Bojack. You got Princess Carolyn, the cat, that is also Bojack's agent and this sort of facade of having everything put together and, uh, um, you know, basically almost pretending like she can be remarkably independent, that she doesn't need anybody else. And, you know, uh, uh, what you end up with is, is she actually ends up pushing people away as a result of, uh, of, of those actions and she actually does need people and just watching these journeys and, and using using that environment as part of it and it leads to uh, some some great insight but it's also just really funny really funny in a number of ways it's it can be and another thing about princess carolyn in her own words oh, i'm paraphrasing now but in her own words at some point in the show she mentions when she gets knocked down she always lands back on her feet and that kind of that's kind of a joke referring to how cats they always land on their feet if they fall from a certain height which is kind of a funny um and a clever way of using that um that characteristic of cats oh yeah no it's uh they've got some they have a, a good number of puns. They got a good number of. of they really do. <laughs> oh man, it's uh, so many background gags. So many gags that require you to pause the show and just read whatever silly joke or silly wordplay or pun they have in the background. It definitely appeals to the dad in me. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's a stream of dad jokes uh, all, all compounded around this. So. Oh yes. We kind of spoke a little bit about how you you really don't have a whole lot of experience with uh, the type of mental illness that 
generally gets portrayed here. Um, and you were kind of saying that it the show has kind of helped you understand that perspective. Can can you kind of elaborate on that? Like what what kind of do you feel like you've learned? What have you learned about the perspective of those suffering from uh, or that have experienced mental illness? What have you learned about that experience? Sure. So from what I've seen from watching Bojack Horseman from start to finish, um, a realization that I've come to is that even though the show portrays these themes in a very, very open, very difficult way, there's so much that even after watching that, there's so much that I haven't wrapped my head around as far as how taxing and how difficult that can be for somebody who deals with that either sporadically, you know, either either for someone who deals with depression in um, uncertain days, it's, it may be, it may be more prominent than others. And I know it varies for so many people. And I feel that that show has only allowed me to scratch the surface as to how, how difficult that can be for somebody and kind of the daily um the daily routine they have to go through as far as balancing work personal life and then also having to manage depression or anxiety alongside that and it's just it's remarkable how so many people you look at them from the outside and you would never imagine in a million years that they were going through any they were fighting those battles internally and especially one one episode that comes to mind is um well i can't i can't say the word here but it's the the stupid piece of blank when bojack has these inner monologues that are just tearing him down it's just his inner monologue insults him it tells him the things that he can't do it constantly distracts him and at one point um the simple chore of him going to the store to buy milk for his half-sister Hollyhock when she moves in with him briefly. The simple task of going to the store to buy milk, it it becomes so much more complicated because his inner voice continually distracts him. It continually judges him. It tears him down. And it ends, unfortunately, it ends with him, instead of going to the store, he briefly goes... Well, in his mind, he briefly goes to the bar, a nearby bar, and it ends with him spending basically the entire day there, and it's nighttime, and he still hasn't picked up the milk. And that's that's in that, in that case, that's definitely an extreme example. But um, there are definitely people that I've met, people that I've seen elsewhere, who deal with that to an extent. Maybe not to that extreme, but just have those thoughts every who do those thoughts every day and it for for most people it doesn't go away from them and it's just something that they have to learn to manage learn to recognize and um that moment in particular it allows me it allowed me to kind of see that everyone's walk is different even though bojack deals with depression and anxiety and one way it absolutely varies for somebody else you know, some people deal with addiction on different degree to varying degrees more so than others. It may be generational for them. It may have been passed on from their father and then maybe their father's father. Or in their case, they may become reliant on 
a, they may abuse a substance or they may um, abuse a drug, and then they're they end up being the ones that will pass it on to their future offspring. And so, even though even though everyone's experience is different, and um, Bojack is just one account, it definitely allows me to see. Watching has allowed me to see. Um, it just it has allowed me to see just how, how it just it showed me how strong those people are. Those those people are for dealing with that, and then also making time to still get up every morning and do their jobs and do what they need to do to live their lives. And it's just really, it's harrowing, and it's not pretty, and it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to show kind of how hard that is for somebody, and that allows me to kind of extend more grace to people who might be fighting those battles. And I don't know that they are, but they may be having a rough day or they may be dealing with something and they respond a certain way. And it just allows me to be able to be more gracious towards people and to practice that. And we should be doing that regardless of whether someone is dealing with depression or anxiety or other issues. You know, it's just, I guess, I guess the big, the grand takeaway is just, be kind to people. <laughs> no, man, I uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. That for that was one of my favorite episodes too. Uh, I thought it was interesting. They they even changed the animation style for his thoughts. You know, everything suddenly became chaotic and rough and uh, you know weirdly unappealing just because it's it's reflecting how those thoughts felt to him, you know, and, and how manic it was. Oh yeah. That was, uh, you know, they, they did that a few times in, in certain areas. They did that. Um, they did that with the Diane character when she was going through her bouts of depression and, uh, trying to write a book and she was dealing with whether or not she needed to go on antidepressants and some of the, the items associated with that, man, it was just, uh, Man, there was just so much that that I know I could relate to in this with with my experience with depression and my experience with having to deal with a lot of these same sort of thoughts and mindsets. Um, it was interesting to to watch. You also mentioned, you know, how how it deals with with abusing alcohol and abusing uh, uh, or really, you know, self medicating with alcohol or just just dealing with. Uh, addiction and what that has to do with um, the depression aspect and dealing with anxiety and the stress of life um, and how that can affect others. So like there was an episode that basically was trying to track when Bojack had his first drink. When did Bojack start looking at or relying on alcohol? And it slowly moves back. Oh, was it Back when he was on horsing around, and it was the first episode, and he needed to loosen up for a big kiss with uh, Cindy Crawfish, and <laughs> so so they give him a drink, and it's like, hey, this made things good. Let me have a little bit more. Let's do it again. This is this is fun. And then it goes a little further back, and it's uh, you know him dealing with um, anxiety at school, and kids are making fun of him, and you know he's he's having all these issues, and he ends up. You know, getting a drink, trying to act cool, trying to do that. Well, then it goes even further back and he's, you know, just a, a little kid and his parents uh, obviously just, uh, you know, 
gotten a, a fight or some kind of a spat. Both of them were drinking. The alcohol is just around. It's, it's part of it. Uh, so we see that, but we also see it happen cyclically. It happens with uh, one of his co-stars, the, the little girl on his show, uh, Sarah Lynn. You know, uh, they, they were on horsing around and, and Bojack had vodka in a water bottle that he was drinking and uh, he had left it out and she, you know, dealing with the, the same stresses that he is on the show and and seeing how, how he does it. You know, he didn't physically give it to her, but he is the one that introduced it to her life. And uh, so so suddenly it's like this this trauma is cyclical. You know, we even see bojack's parents and kind of what happened with them and the good times and the bad and what may have led to their issues which led to his trauma which then in turn leads to his issues and leads to other people's trauma we see this this cycle and how it's not so easy to pinpoint when it happens it's not so easy to pinpoint blame it's not easy to to really unravel these big knots that that just kind of form from from all of this and where it's at so so having that understanding can be can be huge um, kind of circling back we had talked about um, you know some of the other themes I was I was just talking about the cyclical nature of some of it uh, Bojack has uh, some some actual physical themes that kind of are part of this Bojack running uh, kind of in a straight line going forward, things like that. Uh, but then we have uh, this theme of the Sisyphean uh, stone and, and kind of repeating itself. Uh, I don't know if, if you have kind of a take on that or, or the episodes that I'm referring to, but uh, do you think you might be able to elaborate a little bit on that? Um, I believe so. So this is one of the, this was portrayed in the show um, with the, it was it started out as a background, not even a gag, but kind of a background scene in the establishing shot in front of Bojack's house. And he, there would be a hill and there would be this mandrill character running up the hill. And every so often, for further future establishing shots, you would see this. Um, you would see the same mandrill running up the hill. He'd be a little further up, or it would just show him at varying points. And at some point during the late, the later part of that season, we see Bojack trying to physically improve himself, and then we see him trying to run up the hill, and he's having a rough time. He's short on breath. He's very clearly out of shape and he just lies on the ground because he's so exhausted and at some point the same manual character that we've seen as this background recurring background theme he comes over to bojack and he i'm paraphrasing now but he says something along the lines of like it gets easier you have to keep doing it and that's the hard part but it does get easier and that is well that that line is both in the literal sense of of Bojack exercising, and also in the sense that Bojack is trying to improve his life, you know, it gets easier the more you try to deal with these things that you've been you've dealt with, with us for so long, 
and you know starting out is challenging and being consistent can be daunting and can feel hopeless at first but the more you go at it the more the more custom and the more acclimated you become and it will the more you streamline it the more the the easier it'll become over time now that doesn't happen overnight clearly clearly especially especially for a character like bojack but it, it does become something that he works at and very slowly but surely you get to see bojack improve in certain areas of his life for example one of the moments that kind of stuck out to me was when bojack was enrolled into rehab and through a series of events he accidentally gets his therapy horse um therapists um, no, no, therapy horse. Because therapy horse, there's right. a difference between a therapist and a therapy horse. That's a very, that he says. A very distinct legal difference. <laughs> that was one of the lines that in the show. You were absolutely right. So the therapy horse. So the therapy horse in rehab that Bojack um, goes to, he had an addiction to alcohol. And through a series of unfortunate events, Bojack very inadvertently gets him back on alcohol and back um, on that addiction, and unfortunately, the moment they takes the therapy horse takes one sip of it, he's just he's just out, and it's just he's his speech is slurred, he's immediately inebriated, and it's just he's a mess. And in the early seasons, Bojack would very much be, in some ways, he would be apathetic. He wouldn't really try to do anything about the mess that he made. He would pr- try to brush brush to the side and focus on something else. But in this scenario, we see that Bojack, through all of his imperfection and through all of his own issues, he does very much make an effort to sober up the therapy horse and get him back and, and, and assume responsibility for the actions that he caused, inadvertent or not. He, he does own that and he does try, even though the ending to that brief storyline is not perfect. It's not, it's bittersweet, but he does make an effort. And that kind of ties to what I was saying about the journey to improvement isn't easy, but the more you go at it, you'll see improvement in various ways. Yeah, I I know I can speak on this subject matter uh, quite a bit. I, uh, uh, full disclosure, I have uh, been diagnosed with... uh, major depression disorder and acute stress disorder, a lot of it related to a traumatic event that I experienced back in uh, about, oh, what, it was it was a little over five years ago now. Um, I won't go into details on it for, for various reasons, but, uh, you know, uh, when it comes to my experiences with depression and anxiety and uh, what that feels like. Everybody experiences these things different. Uh, they really do. So, so I can't speak for everybody's experience. But so for me, it feels uh, a bit like a black hole that you kind of keep getting sucked down into, and it does feel like this Sisyphean task. Uh, um, for those who don't know, the the story of Sisyphus, he was a, a, a part of Greek mythology where he was sentenced, but what, what his punishment was, was to uh, roll a boulder up a hill. And no matter what, he's unable to reach the top every single day, uh, no matter how far he pushes that boulder, no matter where it goes, it rolls back on top of him. And the next day he starts at the very beginning. So that's the, the task that you know, 
sometimes it feels like we're faced with. I know that I am going to be depressed and the levels that I may get to just kind of all depends. It, uh, I, I don't know how bad it's going to be sometime in the future. Uh, I've taken responsibility. I'm on medication. I, uh, I see therapy. I have a number of coping exercises that, that I'm able to use. And, you know, overall, I, I live a happy life. I'm a happy, successful, comfortable person that I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm all the things that a person would expect. And, and by any monochrome of what you would consider a success, I suppose, uh, I, I can generally speaking, meet some of that stuff, but I'm a depressed person. I am somebody who will, if I'm not depressed right this second, I know sometime in the future it's going to happen. Um, and I don't know how bad it's going to be. And, you know, in the past it's gotten so bad that I had wanted to die by suicide. And it, it's not something a lot of people like to talk about. Uh, one of our goals here at the association is to, to kill that stigma. And uh, I think part of doing that is going to be out in the open about it. And this very much reflects my experience. Um, I'm pushing that boulder. I'm running up that hill often. And it does get easier as you learn these you know, coping exercises, as you use therapy, and as you find the right medications to level you out. You have to be willing. You have to do it. You have to be committed to it. And if you're not, then, you know, then you're, you're going to be running into trouble. And uh, it's, you know, it's not going to be perfect. You can't expect it to be a cure. There, It's not that there's a cure. It's that you understand the, the struggle that you'll have to go through and be willing to to meet that challenge. That's what it is. And if you can, then most of the time you'll be happy. At least that's the way it's been in my experience. It's difficult. It's, um, it is a tough struggle and it, it does happen again. You just know it. I'm just, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the next time that I'm going to feel like garbage and that I'm going to hate myself. That's what it is. I'm waiting for the next time to hate myself. That's kind of a weird thing. That's kind of a weird experience. It's hard to, to articulate. What I love about BoJack is that it does. It shows it. It shows it so well, uh, what it feels like to, to have these thoughts, to have this kind of experience. We, we see this, the, the running up the hill and being willing to run up the hill every day. What Bojack tries to do is run straight forward, outrun the depression, get rid of it. And he does that throughout the series. At the beginning, it's, well, if I finish this book and tell my story, maybe maybe I'll be happy then. Uh, he does it and it leads to a bunch of success. Well, lo and behold, he falls back down into that black hole. And he thinks, well, oh, it's this movie, this passion project I have. If I can make this, man, I'll be happy. That's it. That's all I need is, is that. Well, he does it. It's successful, sort of. That's, that's kind of it. He, he acts in it, but 
he kind of doesn't. <laughs> but but okay, I'm going to reach this level of success. I'll be happy. Uh, nope, nope, definitely not there yet. Oh, maybe if I win this Oscar, I'll be happy. Well, he doesn't win the Oscar and all that success is gone and he's back down the hole. Oh, you know, it just kind of keeps going. And even, even things that we would consider admirable. I just, I, if I go to rehab and I finish in complete rehab, uh, I'll be happy then, you know, I'll be cured. Well, no, because you leave rehab and it's a different world and your, your problems didn't go away. You just have to deal with them. Something else that I noticed that they do really well is showing the lasting effects of trauma. Bojack is a sympathetic character, but he's not necessarily a blameless or, you know, a good person even in certain circumstances. You know, they they certainly portray him, okay, you can understand some of the actions that he's taken or the emotional state that he is in, but it doesn't wash over the fact that he hurts people sometimes when, when he does react to his emotions in an inappropriate or a poor way. Season six really digs into that. We see him from, from beginning to end pursue inappropriate relationships. We see him uh, uh, fall into uh, addiction, using that as a coping mechanism. And pulling others into that black hole with him. Uh, his co-star, Sarah Lynn, which by, I think it's season four, I think it's the end of season four, um, she dies of a uh, overdose of heroin, aptly named Bojack. And uh, uh, because of of that, you know, it was it was a binge that they were going on together. They were both trying to cope, trying to... to to deal with their issues using using artificial means, and it led to one of their deaths. But it doesn't absolve Bojack from some of that responsibility, and he sinks back into the depression. Uh, there are others that he hurts. He hurts Hollyhock. He hurts uh, you know some of uh, uh, you know a young girl that that he was staying with while he was on his journey. You know he traumatizes them. Some of them is tangential. Some of it is. Uh, very direct. Um, some of it is through violence. Some of it is is through uh, just being in a bad situation. And what we get in season six is we revisit some of these characters. Some of them we hadn't, yeah. Some of them we hadn't seen since season two or three or four. And. Uh, what you end up with is is seeing the lasting effects of what Bojack did because it's not a sitcom. It doesn't just end. And it kind of drives home why it's important to try and, and seek this kind of help in advance. I will speak again on my experience. Even though I have sought help and I'm in a better place now, it doesn't change what what happened and it doesn't erase the experience that those people had the, the trauma that uh, I could have inflicted as a result of that you know and it doesn't mean that the relationship is gone or disappears but it's forever changed um, it's 
the Holly Woob sign when it comes to, you know, uh, you know, it forever there will be a lingering scar from what had occurred. And, you know, there are certainly occasions where you can get past that and they can get past that and things can get back to something close to what it was. But there is never going back after after that experience, after what you said or what you did or any of that. It's, it's really, really, I don't know if refreshing is the right word to see a show that actually takes that seriously. I mean, get right down to it. Any other sitcom you watch that's like, oh man, those people should not be together. <laughs> um, so kind of going further down that, I, I, I kind of spoke on what I can kind of relate to. What about you? What, what have you been able to relate to uh, specifically in the show? One of the more relatable themes that I noticed throughout the entirety of the show's run is every main character, they're striving to find that greater purpose in their lives to some extent, in some shape or form. And we look at Bojack, Mr. Peanut Butter, Todd, Bojack's friend, Diane, Princess Carolyn. They're all searching for that purpose in their own walks of life and their own character arcs. Bojack the mo being the most obvious example, he's trying to find a greater purpose in his career, even though his time in the in the spotlight has faded ever since the 90s, ever since Horse Around ended. And whether it be through writing a book or finding a new show or a movie to be a part of, he still, it still doesn't satisfy his need for whatever that greater purpose for him looks like. And that's well, being the main character, that's the most prominent example for him. Um, even Diane, in her, in her career aspirations to become a writer, writing a memoir for Bojack at the start of the show, and then she goes on to work for an online blog in the, in the form of BuzzFeed, kind of a clickbaity, trendy, youth-oriented blog, which is not at all the kind of writing that she wants to emulate in her own career. And even as she continues on her journey to write her own her own story on her own life, um, it gets to the point where she questions whether she's writing this book because her story needs to be told or if it's just because of all the trauma that she's dealt with, she feels obligated to do that just to be that powerful writer that she envisions herself as. And what's funny is that by the end of the show, through a series of events, she kind of abandons that. She kind of abandons that aspiration to write a memoir of her own life, and instead, she ends up being a successful children's book author for a mystery story involving teenagers. And she finds a sense of contentment in that, even though she is very reluctant, even though she pushes back on that idea. That allows her to get on the path towards finding purpose. And when the show ends, we don't see what her career looks like beyond her success as a children's book author. We don't know, but we know that she is in a slightly better place 
by the end of the show in her career than she was at the beginning when she wasn't really sure of what she wanted to do as far as writing goes. And ironically, one of the most prominent examples of that search for greater purpose isn't Bojack. It's through his slacker friend, Todd Chavez. Chavez. Um, a big part of his character arc is comprised of B-plots where in a very self-aware way, he is involved in these very goofy, self-contained subplots where he's on some sort of wacky adventure or he took he takes up this crazy odd job, sometimes with Mr. Peanut Butter. And it's kind of and it's much sillier in a way that contrasts with the much heavier and much more dramatic A plot. And it, it reaches a point in the show when Todd goes on a journey to find himself, find his purpose and who he is personally. And eventually he finds at least a job that caters to his unique abilities, his very energetic approach to life. And it's funny because all of these crazy jobs, whether he's in an orchestra or he's he creates his own theme park through a series of events, a very, very rundown theme park, in fact. Um, it's funny because all of these super kind of superficial things that he takes up, it's all, it was all kind of a distraction, keeping him from really looking inward towards himself. And I just found that to be very, I found his journey to be one of the most fascinating from start to finish. He doesn't change drastically or that dramatically as a character. He's still very, he still has a very can-do attitude. He's still very energetic and he's very imaginative. But that journey to find out who he is and what he's good at, it's its very prominent and it was very noticeable for me from the beginning of the show to the end. Yeah, he's uh, actually, uh, both of those are just such, they're amazing portrayals of, of, of things that you don't necessarily see very often on television for sure. Um, Todd comes out as asexual in the uh, in the show, which is uh, I honestly can't think of any kind of of show that's actually portrayed that or attempted to portray that in any kind of accurate or responsible way, uh, and and treating it with the the kind of dignity that it deserved. That was that was one thing, which is which is really funny coming from. You know, the character of Todd, who uh, is, is easily the most cartoonish out of all of the characters on this show <laughs> with all of his exploits and uh, and everything. like. But but even he like, you know, he finds somebody that uh, appreciates him, another asexual person uh, by the end of the show. They, uh, uh, you know, they show, you know, monochrome's a success there. Uh and then Diane, that one is uh, that one's really interesting. Um, you know, she's she's probably the second most important character on the show. Uh, you know, much of the show kind of revolves around her relationship with Bojack, and uh, the episode you were talking about, even too, where she's she's dealing with her memoirs. There's a couple of things that were just really, man, they 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 really popped. One was, you know, she didn't want to take the step towards medication. And she had a number of reasons why. You know, she used to be on them and, you know, made her gain weight. You know, that's that's a real side effect that that people worry about and consider when they're when they take these these antidepressants. I know it's something that 
you know, even I was worried about, you know, also just this idea of, uh, you know, I'm not going to feel like me. Um, there was much of that. And, and you get this massive sense that when she she decided to take them and then she sits down to, to do her memoir, she decides, I can't I can't write because of this, because she feels like that part of her, that artistic part of her, that uh, uh, that part that actually had the trauma, that cared about the trauma is is if not gone, at least dulled to the point that she can't she can't do that. Uh, that is something a lot of depressed people experience. You almost miss the depression. I kind of relate it to being in an abusive relationship in a weird way. You don't feel like yourself. You feel like something's missing when you aren't experiencing this feeling that you've had for so long. And it being dulled or it uh, not feeling the way that it was before, you feel like there's there's like a piece of you that's missing in some ways that there's a part of you that you, for some reason, actually liked or appreciated, even though you know that it's bad for you, that it's really bad for you. Yeah, I, you know, I sit there and, and think about sometimes, you know, it's like, man, this part in a movie would have made me cry like a year ago or something like that. Well, really like five years ago or something like that. And, and you know, he's like, man, do I, do I feel like this emotion is, is gone? Am I less empathetic? Am I less of the kind of person that I liked being because I'm not depressed right now? And there's a lot of that that she experiences. And then there was one other thing that Diane said that really got to me, which was, and this is this is something that a lot of depressed people feel like, is what if I get the treatment and I start feeling better or I start, you know, going through this and I realize that maybe my trauma isn't real or serious. Like what if that's something that we find out in therapy? What if I, you know, that I'm overreacting, you know, and that's, that's what a lot of people, cause that's what a lot of us have heard. Right. You know, when, when you feel like a piece of crap, then you, you're hating yourself. When you feel like you hate yourself and one of the causes is something that by all means is pretty menial, you know, oh, I forgot to take out the trash. I must be a worthless piece of garbage or something like that. The The immediate reaction you usually get from others is oh, you're just overreacting or something like that. And so it's a big fear for a lot of us that it's like, maybe my trauma isn't real. Maybe, you know, this, this thing that is this thing that I feel so horrible about, maybe it's not legitimate. And it prevents people from seeking that treatment. That's what happens to Diane uh, in there. She, she literally says, what if I find out that it, when I flip this mattress that there's nothing underneath, you know? That, that is just so profound. Um, yeah, that... That was something that really makes a connection, I think. And then Todd's just just his whole journey of something that seems so frivolous and so ridiculous. But when you really sit down and like look at it and watch what his, I mean, 
Really, he has one of the more tragic backstories. He was kicked out by his parents, and he's been living on couches uh, for, you know, years, trying to, to find his way and live his life the way he wants. And he is probably one of the most caring and uh, empathetic characters on the show. And just kind of realizing how underappreciated he is by those around him. Yeah. Is just really interesting and profound. So, what about some of the other characters? We've, we've kind of touched base on on Mister Peanut Butter and kind of his relationships, uh, and Princess Carolyn. Kind of what what else have you seen, or or do you relate to with some of these characters? Hmm. I'll think about this one, or at least beyond the greater purpose. Um. I'd say for Princess Carolyn, a big part of her character arc is ma- maintaining a work-life balance because she is so she is so invested in her work as an agent, getting BoJack certain gigs or being attuned to her work at all times, even if it costs her her social life, even if it means she has to stay at her office for hours, well, well after hours, well after, well after the sun has set. And eventually, she wants to have. She decides she wants to have a child. She wants to have children, and it eventually leads her to adoption. And a part of the reasoning behind this decision was because in her own youth, she had a miscarriage when she was living at home with her mother and her family, and in a way, her having a baby later on in life. It's a way of compensating or it's a way for making up for what had happened to her, something that was out of her control. This is something that she believes will give her life more meaning since work consumes a great portion of it. And there is, we see this illustrated nicely through this montage of Princess Carolyn balancing working at her job and also caring for her adopted daughter. And we see various after images projected on the screen of her doing many different things, either like changing her baby's diaper or feeding her or trying to soothe her as she's crying. And we just see these various, various images of Princess Carolyn doing these things. And they're just layered on top of each other on the screen. And it, it's what's funny is, is that all of these things, all this projected chaos it almost becomes a, something of a rhythm in her life the shaking of the rattle the crying it's all timed and it's all laid out to the point where it becomes kind of like a backdrop to her life it's this it's this noise that she's always hearing and it's just something that's always ringing in her head and the more that we progress to the episode the more projections we see on the screen of her doing things at her home at the office, even driving to the car, we just see all these things projected on screen. And it's just, I think it does an amazing job illustrating how, just how stressful or how taxing that can be in an individual doing all those things. Because every day is different. One day, maybe your daughter is sleeping in the car and things are fine but other times she could be crying or you need to tend to her also driving to work or something else entirely unforeseen happens and i think that kind of plays in the themes of 
postpartum depression kind of um she kind of worries about whether she's doing a good job as a mother the mother of this adopted daughter of hers and um i forget the character's name but it reaches the point where she asks one of her work colleagues you know she's all these things that she's doing and all of these insecurities that she has and her colleague points out to her that she's doing everything that she can in her own power to make sure that her daughter is fed, she's cared for, and that even though she thinks that she's not doing a good job because she's balancing a multitude of tasks at any given moment, we realize that she is doing a good job and she is doing the best she can in her own circumstances. And it gets to a point where Princess Carolyn is able to be less hard on herself and she's able to be the mother that she wants to be for this daughter of hers. Yeah. The, uh, the princess Carolyn art, like I, I know that episode you're talking about. That was, man, it is the struggle that every parent has to go through <laughs> of, uh, this work balance life. This idea it's like, ha, am I actually being a good enough parent? Is there a way she even says something in there that, you know, you talked about the postpartum, she even actually says, I don't know if I love my daughter the right way. I don't know. She says, of course, of course I love her, but I don't know if I love her. That's something, especially new parents, like the the, the first, because it is so taxing. There is so much that needs to be done. And it's so, you know, and now you have this creature that's so demanding in, in your life and, and. You love and appreciate that part, and it's so rewarding, but it doesn't stop it from being that taxing, you know? <laughs> if, 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 if anybody had a boss like that, they would just straight up quit. <laughs> it's like, it's the money's not worth it, but, you know, when it comes to kids, it's, it's a different story. One of the questions I wanted to ask you was, um... What are some ways that other shows on the current media landscape can emulate BoJack in the way that it treats and portrays mental health themes? Yeah, so I, I mean, we kind of touched base on some of this before as well. You know, um, BoJack, it's really, really responsible in the way that it portrays mental health and how people tend to deal with it, how they should deal with it, you know, what kind of help they should seek, what are appropriate coping mechanisms. So so in one episode, this was a side character that we hadn't seen forever. There's no way anybody would remember his name. Um you know, makes a, a random appearance. I think he was in like one or two episodes prior to this in season three. And then in season six, he appears. And um, it's at a party where Hollyhock, who had suffered some trauma earlier from Bojack's mother, basically she was she was being slowly drugged and, and in order to try and keep her figure down or, or something along those lines. And, you know, she didn't know it and it was having an effect on her. And from the trauma that she experienced from that, she started having issues with anxiety and she's at a party in season six and Hollyhock has a full blown panic attack. You know, for anybody who's ever experienced those, they are not fun. And, they are terrifying, especially if you don't know what they are. 
I mean, it, it feels like a heart attack. Uh, you know, you think for sure you're going to die. You're having that kind of visceral reaction. And in steps this side character who also had suffered trauma in that, that episode in season three. And he steps in to help her with a, a coping mechanism called grounding. It's one that we actually use. I know I've used it with anxiety attacks. It's something that therapists and psychologists highly recommend where you're you're basically picking and focusing on specific things in the room to help ground you and get you back to to a place that you know where your body isn't isn't reacting that way you know drawing your attention away from from the other experiences around you to to focus and it was just amazing to see okay they're they're using an actual technique something legit that is being taught in cognitive behavioral therapy and things like that in order to to cope with this kind of trauma and with this kind of anxiety. And then you go and find out that, you know, his trauma, it's related to something Bojack did back and it was treated rather frivolously back in, in season three. And, you know, something kind of played for laughs and we go and realize it's like, yeah, we probably, that's not something really to laugh at so much. It's uh, that, you know, it kind of goes back to that theme I was talking about just because, you know, things don't reset. That trauma is, is real. That's something that I would love to see in, in other shows. Like I want to see that consistency of when you hurt somebody, it's not forgive and forget. When you are portraying, mental health issues and mental illness and things of that sort on television, it makes a difference. It matters how you're portraying it. It, uh, it matters what you show as the appropriate way of handling. We've talked a lot on this podcast about the importance of media when it comes to mental illness. You know, we had a, a whole episode on the Joker and how violence in the media is you know, how, how skewed that is and how dangerous that that can be. We kind of talked about network where we went over uh, some theories on how that skewing actually has a, a real life effect on how people view people with mental illness. It's pretty major when it comes right down to your, to it, what that effect is. And it's really easy to sit there and just look back and say, it's just a movie. You know, that's the, it's just a TV show. Like who, who cares? You know, it's really easy to step back and do that. But when people, this is their base point. If they had portrayed it in a different way, that's going to affect the way that you look at it, right? And there's millions of other people that feel the same way. And there's millions of people that are experiencing mental illness that are going to think, okay, this is the right way of going about it, or this is the wrong way. So yeah, that that's the responsible way. That's the right way to, to do it. And the success of this show, I'm hoping rubs off on uh, other producers and, and more shows like that. So that way we don't end up with, you know, glorified versions of mental illness. Like what was that? 13 reasons why that was, that made the media big time. Those become more and more commonplace. Let's 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 get more Bojacks in there. 
well, as, as you know, we, we end every episode the same way. So if I, I know you know what to say, so I don't know if you want to say it together. Uh, all right, we'll give it a try. We'll try. All right. Okay. Go, Go do good, good things. things. <laughs>